0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. But before we get started with today's program, you can learn more about us, our free events, how to donate, the podcast, and much more when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part four of Pastor Michael's study in Revelation 21 called The New Heaven and New Earth.
1: So verse nine picks up this way. And one of the seven angels, 21, nine, who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and spoke with me saying, come here, I shall show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. Now the bride image in the Bible, we saw a marriage supper of the lamb in Revelation 19. And we know that we are called in Ephesians five, if you look at, or just write down verses 25 through 33, we are called the bride of Christ. And it's an incredible thought to think that we are in that kind of relationship with the Lord, that he loved us that much. That passage says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And what did he do? He gave himself up for her. The only reason we have Revelation 21 and this incredible place that we're going to be part of is because our groom gave up himself for us. He died that we may live. The entrance price to this city is the blood of Christ. Your ticket's been paid for in full. What you must do is receive it as a gift. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not by works, not by works. So that what? No one should boast. No boasting when you end up in this place. The only thing we're going to boast in is Jesus Christ and what he did for us. This new place uh, is connected to the wife, the Lamb of God. I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Just like the harlot is associated with Babylon, as we'll look at in a moment back in Revelation 17, so the bride is associated with the new Jerusalem, And the two intersect. Babylon, the city of man, if you will, reflects the harlot. She lives for that which is passing pleasure. She lives for that which is going to perish, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. But the wife of the lamb is living for what is eternal. And the book of Revelation, if you reflect back on it, is written to the churches, namely seven churches, but not just the seven churches in two and three, Revelation two and three, but all the churches for all time. And what's the message? Hang in there. Live for what is going to last. Don't live for what is just temporal, temporary. So Revelation is giving you a view of the end of the story so you can hang on now, amen? Amen. Since you know what's ahead of you, you can live in the light of eternity knowing that the temporary sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to come. As we look not to the things which are seen but the things which are unseen. The things which are seen are temporal. Everything we see now, I got news for you, it's all going to be replaced or minimally renovated. It's going to be new. New heavens, new earth, new Jerusalem, new you. Pretty cool, huh? Resurrected body, new look, maybe a new hairdo. I don't know. Come on. Anyway. And in this place, it's interesting that uh, in Revelation 22, the tree of life is mentioned four times in Revelation, but it's mentioned three times in Revelation 22. Just look ahead for a second. Revelation 22, 2 says, in the middle of its street, continuing to describe this new Jerusalem, and on either side of the river was the tree of what? The tree of life bearing 12 kinds of fruit. And we'll come back to that in a second, but here's the point. When scholars say that the New Jerusalem is Eden restored, one of the evidences that we have of that is that the tree of life reappears in the New Jerusalem. Now, what exactly does that mean? What does that look like? Well, it does say that the tree of life is for the healing of the nations. And will that be for others outside of the church? Will that be for Us in the church, I don't know for sure. But these are aspects. And there are some that they look at the Garden of Eden. They say that the Garden of Eden was the original temple of God. For example, it was oriented eastward. It seems like it may have just had one entrance point because when Adam and Eve sin and get kicked out of the garden, remember that there are angels and there's that turning sword and it bars their way. They can't get back in. And in that place, in the Garden of Eden, the special blessing of it all, not just the garden itself, which I'm sure was beautiful, is the presence of Almighty God. He was walking in the cool of the day, and it would appear that in Genesis prior to the fall, Adam and Eve had daily direct fellowship with God, and they looked upon his face. And when they fell to sin... They were kicked out of the garden. And some believe that you can argue that they were kicked out of the original temple. There are indications that this this garden place may have been the direct dwelling of God. It may have been his dwelling place in the early days prior to the fall. And then when sin enters in, they're banned from that holy place. They can't be there anymore. They can't look upon God because sin makes what? Sin separates you from God. So they get banished. God gives something, you know, he he, uh, covers them. And then the whole rest of the Bible is really about the hope of a coming redeemer who can give us access back to God. This new city, this new Jerusalem is just that. It is a place where we are back where we were supposed to be in the beginning. We're back in that place where we have fellowship with God. As John continues to look at the future, remember that he's been banished to the Isle of Patmos. And if the book was written around AD 95, Jerusalem is in ruins right now. John's an old man. He saw Jesus die on the cross. And so think about John. Just put yourself in his sandals for a second. Think about how thrilled he must be as he sees images of a new Jerusalem, as he sees images of a city of hope and incredible colors in all of this. Well, that's what John is describing. One of the seven angels, verse nine, who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues tells him he's gonna show him the bride, the wife of the lamb. If you skip back to uh, Revelation 17, there's a contrast, a teaching contrast, which you'll see with Babylon. Revelation 17, one, just remember the language I just read and read along with me. One of the seven angels, 17, one, who had the seven bulls, came and spoke with me, saying, come here, and I shall show you the judgment of the great harlot. That same angel said, come here, and I'll show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. But here in 17, he says, come here, and I'll show you the judgment of the great harlot. I'll show you her end, and I'll show you the bride's future. Which camp do you want to be in? You want to have her end, or do you want to have the bride's future? That's the choice that we have. In verse three of Revelation 17, he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and 10 horns. If you turn back to Revelation 21, Revelation 21, he carries me away in the spirit. And instead of seeing this woman in the desert, 2110, he carried me away in the spirit, says John. And I was carried to a great and what? a great and high mountain. Those who have done some study on comparing the New Jerusalem to ancient Eden, the Garden of Eden, say that rivers were flowing out of Eden, and some believe that maybe Eden was up on a mountain. We don't know for sure, uh, because the whole area was obliterated when there was a worldwide flood. So you may have seen some teaching where people are prognosticating or coming up with ideas that maybe Eden was actually in Jerusalem or maybe it was here or there. We don't know for sure. But we do know that rivers flowed out of Eden, a river, and then it connected to four rivers. And so this this mountain is shown and uh, John is invited to take a look at the new home of the bride of Christ. Revelation 22, 17, we saw the spirit and the bride inviting people to come. And now we are told about the wife of the lamb. In Ephesians 2, 7, it says in the ages to come, he's going to be showing us the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And John says, he carried me away in the spirit, twenty one ten to a great and high mountain. He showed me the holy city, Jerusalem. Notice it was coming down out of heaven from who? It's from God. Jesus said, I go and prepare what? A place for you. Could it be that Jesus's reference there was to the new Jerusalem, which eventually comes down out of heaven from God? Interesting thought. Sometimes when we think about what Jesus said in John 14, we think about heaven and maybe he's preparing our mansion in heaven. But we've already said that our future dwelling place and we've looked at the millennial reign of Christ seems to be a new earth. So your mansion may more be down here than it is up there. And I just, been, I just would ask you the question, what kingdom again are you living for? So many people are living to get a mansion here that eventually they're just gonna hand over to somebody else anyway. That's what Solomon decried in the book of Ecclesiastes. He said, you work hard for all this stuff and then you give it to somebody else and you don't know what they're going to do with it. I am very protective of some of my possessions, like my Harley Davidson motorcycle. There is a perimeter around it with warnings of death. But, just kidding, I was a little bit more serious when I first got it. But now, as the garage gets more and more stuff, the Harley is being squeezed. It's just wrong. But anyway, it's life in a fallen world. What can you do?
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. But now,
1: as the garage gets more and more stuff, the Harley is being squeezed. It's just wrong. But anyway, it's life in a fallen world. (laughs) What can you do? In the book of Ezekiel, you guys are familiar with the fact that Ezekiel 38 and 39 give us this end-time scenario. Within it is the Battle of Armageddon. In Ezekiel chapters 40 through 48, uh, Ezekiel is shown something called, many believe, a millennial temple. Just write this down for your notes. In Ezekiel 40, verse 2, at the start of that revelation, Ezekiel says, in the visions of God, he brought me into the land of Israel and set me on a very high mountain. And on it to the south, there was a structure like a city. You remember that um, it says that Eden was oriented eastward and the temple area in, uh, when you go to Jerusalem, if you get a chance to go or you've been there, you know that there's an eastern gate and the temple was oriented towards the Mount of Olives. And so this is, Interesting just to kind of draw parallels between the tabernacle, the later temple, and the Garden of Eden. And of course, the main thing is the dwelling of God. In the book of Isaiah, if you flip over to Isaiah chapter 2, we've been looking at some millennial prophecies. That is prophecies that foreshadow the coming of the Messiah and his rule. And looking at this high mountain, it says this, Isaiah 2.1, Isaiah 2, verse 1, the word which Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. He was a seer, so as a prophet, he saw this. Now it will come about, Isaiah 2.2, in the last days. The mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills, and all the nations will stream to it. And many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. In other prophecies in Isaiah, it says, They will not hurt in all my holy mountain. And so today, if you uh, examine the the, the plot of land on which the Temple Mount sits, it's called Mount, do you remember? Mount Moriah. It is a mountain. There's actually several things connected to it, which, which are other hills. The book of Joel uh, has similar teaching. It says, Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. That's Joel 3.17. A little later in Isaiah 60, flip all the way over to Isaiah 60, it's talking about the gates, which we're going to read about in a second. And we're even going to read about the pearly gates. And we'll see who actually sits at the pearly gates. It's not Peter, by the way. The Bible doesn't say that Peter's sitting at the table at the pearly gates with just a couple of questions to see if you can get in. You know, you heard of the story about the I think it's the, the husband and wife, and they both die, and they had some issues before. You know, they they both came to their demise, and the wife comes to the desk, and uh, Peter's there, and he says, you just need to spell one word to get into heaven. And she says, what is it? And he says, love. And she says, L-O-V-E. And he says, you're in. Oh, wait a minute. I need a favor. Can you sit at this desk? I got to do a couple errands. I'll be back in a little bit. Just, just take over, kind of do what I did. And so all of a sudden, her ex-husband pops up at the pearly gates. And she said, oh, wow, shocking to see you. Uh I just have one question for you. You just have to spell one word, and you can get into heaven. He says, "What is it?" She says, "Czechoslovakia." <laughs> anyway, Isaiah sixty verse eleven, and your <laughs> and your gates will be open continually. Sixty eleven, they will not be closed day or night, so that men may bring to you may bring to you the wealth of the nations with their kings led in procession. For the nations and the kingdom which will not serve you will perish and the nations will utterly be ruined. The glory of Lebanon will come to you, the juniper, the box tree, and the cypress together to beautify the place of my sanctuary. And I shall make the place of my feet glorious. And the sons of those who afflicted you will come bowing to you. And all those who despise you will bow themselves at the soles of your feet. And they will call you, they will call you, note it, the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. This new place is coming down, Revelation back there to 21, from God. It's been prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. It's, there's been a lot of care, a lot of preparation, a lot of detail as a bride gets ready for her wedding day. And the descriptors of the city are quite incredible. In verse 11, John breaks into some of the descriptions. The city has the glory of God. That's the main attraction of the city. It has the glory of God. Her brilliance was like a very costly stone, a stone of crystal clear jasper. So as I mentioned, Babylon's uh, gold and silver perishes, but this city remains, a stone of crystal clear jasper. The best way to describe this is that John is likening what he sees to the brilliance of a diamond. This description was used earlier to describe the glory of God and it is used here because the city's brilliance comes from God himself. The city sparkles with the glory of God. If you remember act to Revelation 4 and 5, when John was telling us about the throne room of God and the one seated on the throne, He began to explain the shining, the flashing facets of the glory of God. And he compared them to refracted colors. And he talked about an emerald around the throne and so forth. It would appear that we will get a brilliant light show every day in the New Jerusalem. And we're gonna read later that there's no reason for the sun or the moon or light to be there for the Lord God is its light. I want you to think about this comparison between Eden and the Holy Place, or the Holy of Holies. Because in the Holy of Holies, there was no light. Outside of the curtain, in the Holy Place, was the menorah, the seven-branched candlestand that was kept lit perpetually. But inside the curtain, and by the way, that curtain was very thick, was there any light in there? There wasn't, because the Lord God... Is its light? There's no need for light in there because when the Shekinah glory of God comes down, that's about as bright as you're ever going to get. You don't walk outside on a sunny day and turn your flashlight on, do you? Let me see if I can see, find my keys for the 17th time. You don't need a flashlight because the sun is already doing the job. And in the New Jerusalem, if you want a good suntan, you just get a little closer to the Lord. That's how it works. That's just, I'm just kidding. You won't need one. You'll be in a perfect body. <laughs> Sorry. That wasn't in the notes, and I'm sure you can tell.
0: You're listening to Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance, and that was part four of his study in Revelation 21 called The New Heaven and New Earth. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But if you're benefiting from this program, we could really use your help. We'd like to reach out to more people across the nation. And radio is still a strong media source in our society. And we have more communities that we would like to reach out with God's word and equip them to reach out to. We could use your help to get there. Could you or your business support Walk in Truth? Our goal right now is to raise $30,000 to add a cluster of stations. Your donations of any size gets us closer to that goal. Please give today. You can give online or by mail. Visit walkintruth.com for details. That's walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Hey
1: folks, we've been telling you here on Walk in Truth that you can ask your Bible questions as it relates to what we're airing. Or if you have a different Bible question, feel free to send it to answers at walkintruth.com. That's answers at walkintruth.com. We have a question from Tierra. And she was asking about, uh, people who have been asking her, let's see, is the church going to be here after the rapture? And the answer, and Tiara, I think this is what you've told your friends and those who inquired, is no, because the rapture of the church in the presentation we've been making is something that happens before the wrath of God. So remember, in the view I've been presenting called the pre-wrath view, the church is raptured right before the wrath of god here's an example 1st Thessalonians 5:9 says the church the bride of christ is not appointed to wrath now that doesn't mean the church won't go through tribulation or even great tribulation but remember we've been drawing a distinction and it's an important one between tribulation and wrath now tribulation is trouble jesus said in this world you will have tribulation but be of good cheer! I have overcome the world. The word tribulation in Greek phlipsis can also mean, and it is it is translated persecution, trouble, pressure. In fact, the essence of the word is pressure. So, just remember, Tierra, that the church has and does go through tribulation right now. Uh, brothers and sisters all over the world are going through great trouble. Jesus promised, "In this world, we'll have trouble." But then he said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So once the rapture takes place, then the wrath will come. God will rapture his church, pour out his wrath. The wrath is not for the church, not for the bride of Christ. Therefore, the church won't be here after the rapture. Now you could say, well, people who were professing Christians, false converts, people who played church and were not born again, people who claimed to be part of the church, That's possible, but I'm talking about any genuine Christian who's genuinely born again will not be here after the rapture. They will be taken to be with the Lord. Uh, Thierry, you had also mentioned, uh, will those who belong to Christ be martyred? Uh, This has been really, you know, the history of the church has been martyrdom. In fact, uh, 11 of the 12 apostles die a martyr's death, uh, save the apostle John. So we do know that uh, martyrdom happened to them. It's happened over the centuries, as you read Fox's book of martyrs. And even in the last days, uh, Revelation 6, 9 says there were martyrs underneath the altar. And so certainly, and especially I think in the last days, there will be martyrs who die for their faith. And we don't know to what extent that will happen. But certainly if the Lord calls some in his church to face that, he will give them the grace they need to get through it and to face it so that is certainly possible the good news is that jesus said don't fear him who can kill your body but after that he has no power over you but rather we our fear needs to be in the right place we need to fear god right and so uh, martyrdom is an extreme example of you know having to stand the ultimate test if you will but here's the good news jesus has defeated death and he's brought life and immortality to light through the gospel And he's going to come and rescue his bride before his wrath comes. And that is the hope that the book of Revelation and other places lay out for us in the scripture. Hey, Tiara, thank you for asking the question. I hope that helps. And remember, folks, you can ask your question at answers at walkintruth.com. We're here to equip you and encourage your faith. That's answers at walkintruth.com. Hey, friends, remember 633 is this Sunday night. We've been telling you a lot about it, and it's here You can find out the information, directions, and register for the event, Finding Quiet with J.P. Moreland, this Sunday night. When you go to walkintruth.com, click on register at walkintruth.com. Hope to see you here.
0: Tune in again next week as we'll wrap up Pastor Michael's teaching in the book of Revelation. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. And remember, it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.